identified. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fantasy Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm Bird. There is no Adam. There is no Jake. It is just me. Hopefully, everyone is well. Happy March. Closing in on the start of free agency. And of course, Adam and I, well, sorry, Jake and I are doing the free agency show. That'll be out in your inboxes next week. Adam and I will be back on Thursday for a Basement Talk Podcast fantasy show. Jake and I are going to try and do a Basement Talk Podcast this week. If not this week, then Jake and I, will, of course, will be doing the free agency preview show next week and then... We'll be getting into the prospect previews that Jake and I, of course, will be doing, going through all of the position groups, and that will be out on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Adam and I will be doing the Basement Talk Podcast, but in the meantime, because it is just me, I figured, you know what, come on, and we could do a quick little mailbag. I know that they were, uh, we had said that we would be doing a mailbag at least once a month until we get into around the summer months, July, August, and then we'll be doing mailbags, I think, a bit more regularly when the mailbag just does start to fill up a little bit more. Uh, but obviously, it is March. You know, a lot of people are, are taking uh, downtime, much deserved, given the season that was. I know I was absolutely beat from the highs and lows of fantasy football in the year of our Lord 2022, but now here we are. We're going to do a quick mailbag. We have 11 questions that some of our listeners have sent into the mailbag. If you would like to uh, submit your question, the links are always in the episode description, so make sure you send in any question, and and we I sort them out, so I always do it by uh, questions for the fan show and then questions for uh, BTP. Uh, there weren't enough questions to do a BTP mailbag. There were a lot of questions that were uh, carried over from the fantasy show. So put all those together, and we have 11 questions uh, on the docket for today. But in the meantime, we do have some news and notes that we have to get to. And, of course, we're going to start with the one thing that's been the concrete thing that's happened for everyone. And this uh, came into the fold yesterday with Derek Carr signing a four-year, $150 million deal with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we had talked about Derek Carr and, and potentially where he was going to go um, with Jake, and I had said that I would be more of a fan if he did sign with the New York Jets than the uh, New Orleans Saints did not happen. The Jets, we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, but with Derek Carr going to the Saints... There's no doubt that the Saints needed a stable quarterback option there, and Derek Carr might be as stable and as boring um, and just as bland as they come. But there's no doubt that he's going to get the he's going to get the job done right. I, I don't think there's any doubts about that. 3,500 yards passing in 2022, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Uh, that's a really high number, but I think given the situation with the Raiders last year, those 14 picks are not really a huge surprise. It was the highest interception rate of his career with the lowest completion percentage of his career as well with around a 60% completion percentage. But overall, I mean, you got to look at what the Saints have from a fantasy perspective and you have to say, well, on paper, they do have Derek Carr now, Alvin Kamara, uh, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, uh, Taysom Hill, I think, will still be a factor. I think we saw that in 2022 with Dennis Allen. Did like to utilize Taysom Hill pretty regularly when he needed to. I mean, that could also come down to how unreliable, I guess, the quarterback position was for the New Orleans Saints. Get some other guys in there to potentially make plays. Zeke, when everyone else thinks you're going to zag. That sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see now that they have a stable option there, whether or not Taysom Hill is going to be as viable. And then, of course, you had Jawan Johnson, who I thought really was, he had his strides last year, uh, really seemed to click well with, with Andy Dalton when he was the starter there. It'll be interesting to see if Andy Dalton is back there to back up Derek Carr, potentially, or if Andy Dalton goes to Pashers anew. Uh, Jameis Winston, we think, is all but gone uh, in New Orleans. It'll be interesting to see where, where Jameis Winston ends up. But we will also have, I know we have a question in this mailbag about uh, Derek Carr and about the Saints in general, so I don't want to touch on 
it too much, just considering I don't want to blow that question. But Derek Carr, now the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, I have him as a borderline top 20 option. I've never been a Derek Carr guy. I think anybody who's listened to this podcast now since its inception, I think will know this by now. I think he's just another guy. Uh, I think they're in a position that is just so deep as quarterback. There are at least 22, 23 other options that I would rather over Derek Carr that might be more exciting. Sure, you're going to have your weeks where Derek Carr, you know, pops off. I, I especially like that he'll be in a division now where he goes up against Carolina, who they are rebuilding, and Atlanta, who are rebuilding as well. So that, that right there, you have the potential for four sizable performances from him, but what is sizable really for for Derek Carr? So um, obviously something to watch and monitor and, and, and see how he does. I mean, in, in deeper leagues and two QB leagues, he could be a viable bench guy, but I don't think you want to be in a position where you have to rely on Derek Carr to start for you week in, week out. And this also goes into a much further conversation about what the Saints are going to look like in 2023, which we will get to uh, in just a little while when we get when we get through the uh, the mailbag. So now this leaves going back and talking about the New York Jets. Obviously, they were very very in on Derek Carr. They wanted to make that Derek Carr signing work. Woody Johnson, the owner of the New York Jets, the entire armada really for the Jets flew into Indianapolis during Combine Week and wanted to woo Derek Carr. That was the guy that really they wanted to to bring in. It wasn't going to cost them anything to do it. Hence why the Carr signing would have been more attractive potentially for the Jets than say an Aaron Rodgers. Now, where does that leave Aaron Rodgers and the rumors of him potentially going to the New York Jets? And this is where my sources and everything come into play. As of Sunday, when I asked about Carr and about Rodgers, I received nothing on Carr on Sunday. So the signing of Carr on Monday was a was shocking. Yeah, I, I didn't really hear much about it, which is which is surprising. The Rodgers thing, I heard more about, and right now there's a report out there. This is on Tuesday that this came from Trey Wingo of ESPN that. Aaron Rodgers has had preliminary discussions with the New York Jets. I can confirm that those that that is true. That Rodgers and his representatives has been taught have been talking to the New York Jets about potentially what him going to New York would look like. That does not mean though that Aaron Rodgers is completely out on potentially going back to Green Bay. It just means that the Packers have given Aaron Rodgers a silent, private, okay, you could go and talk to other teams and weigh your options and then figure out what you want to do sort of thing. And I know there were some questions that I got off air about, is that legal? Can Aaron Rodgers do that? Well, yes, he can if the Packers have privately okayed it, which everything that I'm getting at is that, yes, the Packers have okayed Aaron Rodgers to start going and talking to other teams about potentially a move. Now, who are some of the other teams outside of the New York Jets? It seems to be just the Jets right now. And I've talked about Aaron Rodgers and his fit in New York before. To summarize, I don't think the personality is a great fit, but what I think helps Aaron Rodgers and the case for him to join the New York Jets is the fact that you have Nathaniel Hackett there. I think that is a huge one. For Aaron Rodgers, that Nathaniel Hackett, his offensive coordinator in Green Bay before he left, went to Denver for a disastrous spell as head coach of the Broncos. I think that that is a, I don't want to say it's his primary reason that he would want to leave to be like, oh, I want to go be with Nathaniel Hackett again because I liked him when he was my offensive coordinator. That's not the primary reason for the move, but it definitely could help make the move more seamless. Because Rodgers wouldn't have to learn a new offense necessarily. He wouldn't have to go into a building not knowing anybody. He would have a guy that he trusted and he trusts, really. Uh, they have been very close since Daniel Hackett was in Green Bay. And, and and even when he left, they still kept in contact fairly regularly. Um, you know, and it's, it's much known that Aaron Rodgers is not a guy that is just giving out his trust uh, very willingly. 
Uh, he's someone that you really have to to win over, and I think Nathaniel Hackett really succeeded uh, in that area, and Aaron Rodgers really just does view him uh, quite highly, so that does help the New York Jets potentially in this Aaron Rodgers pursuit. The thing now that with the New York Jets they have to consider is, A, Aaron Rodgers is going to cost nearly $60 million against their cap. Is that something that they will want to do? Can the Packers eat some of Rodgers' money to make the cap hit less for the New York Jets? It's possible that that's something that could happen down the line. And I just want to preface this also. There have not been any conversations between the teams. There has not been, like, the Jets have not contacted the Green Bay Packers. The Packers have not contacted the Jets. They have not had any discussions as far as I am concerned. Um, This is more so... Rodgers scaling the market, trying to see what's there. And right now, it seems like the only team that is there is the New York Jets. I'm told that the Raiders don't have much interest in that area. And Josh McDaniels essentially uh, said as much during the combine. And I'm told that that was not a smokescreen by any sense of the imagination. That the Raiders do genuinely want to have a fresh start at the position now that Derek Carr is gone. Now, whether or not that means Josh McDaniels going and drafting his own guy or maybe Josh McDaniels going and trading for a certain quarterback in New England that he personally vouched for, Mac Jones, uh, we'll see. I haven't heard anything on, on the Mac Jones uh, Raiders rumors. Um, that's just kind of, you know, pulling one out of left field. But they do need a quarterback in Las Vegas, but I'm, I'm told that Aaron Rodgers is not that guy. It just seems like, to me, still the fit If you ask me today. I'm still very much in the camp. It's like 60% to 40% that Aaron Rodgers stays at Green Bay versus going to the New York Jets. But that is definitely a lot closer than I've been previously. And I'm still very much in the camp that I think he does stay in Green Bay. But I've been shocked before. I have been shocked before. This would be one where I would definitely be surprised. And of course, if I hear anything uh, more on this Aaron Rodgers story, which seemingly has been going on since the dawn of the dinosaurs. Um, of course, I will be keeping everyone informed on all of the Facebook Talk Podcast platforms. Some more rumors. Derek Henry. There have been reports that the Titans are shopping the star running back, and I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised in the slightest. It has nothing to do with Derek Henry or thinking that Derek Henry is on the decline. What this comes down to is it's exactly what the Titans had to do last year with A.J. Brown where the Titans have a cap problem where they have guys they need to not only take care of, but they have guys that they ha- that they have to, have to sign players. They have to go out and they have to sign players to complete this team because this is a team really that's very in the middle. They're in a weird spot. They don't feel like – they. everything coming out of Tennessee is that they feel like they can contend based on – where the AFC South is, because you have Indianapolis that's probably going to be fielding a starting quarterback, a rookie starting quarterback in week one. Uh, you have Houston that's probably going to be doing the same, and they need to build that program down in Houston. And then you have Jacksonville. Now, the word coming out of Tennessee is that they feel they can contend with the Jaguars if they make the right moves. Would trading Derrick Henry and freeing up that salary help them do that? I'm not sure. Because Derrick Henry, for me, is one of the best pound-for-pound runners in the National Football League. And we've seen this. We we have seen Derrick Henry. He's just dominant. He is absolutely dominant when he when he has a day. It's it, When he has a day, it's a big day. Um, But it comes down to dollars with the Titans. And Ryan Tannehill has one of the biggest, if not if not the biggest, uh, percentage cap hit for anybody on a single team in the National Football League. So that cap hit right there definitely hampers Tennessee. They're not sold on Malik Willis being the guy right away. And Josh Dobbs, we don't really know the situation there, whether or not Mike Vrabel's going to feel like, oh yeah, Josh Dobbs is really going to be a, a, a smart starting option for, for us come 2023. I I wouldn't put my money on that, to be completely honest. Um, but we've seen crazier things before, and, and and Mike Vrabel is known to be a bit funky. So if that's what they want to do, they could go and do that. It would be it would be a cheap option. Um, 
but they would have to get out of that Ryan Tannehill contract come hell or high water, and that is a huge, huge hit for their potential cast base in terms of trying to improve that team. So if they are able to trade Derrick Henry, get some space, and then you know figure out where you go from there, that could help them. But it's very hard for me to imagine that the Titans are a better team with more money to burn and no Derrick Henry versus having Derrick Henry and less money to burn. I, I feel like having Derrick Henry is what would make the Titans tick. Because he could win games for them by himself, right? So I don't know what the Titans are going to do on that one. I haven't heard anything substantial from any of my contacts on it. Um, but it's one to definitely monitor as we get closer to the start of the league year um, next Wednesday. And then finally, Cortland Sutton. There are some reports that... The Denver Broncos are looking to trade Cortland Sutton to free up cap space so that we knew head coach Sean Payton and that, and that new coaching staff in Denver can go and try and improve this team. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all, um, but it would be good for Jerry Judy, but who wants to go and spend a high leverage draft pick in fantasy on Jerry Judy? That's also part of the problem. Who who wants to go and invest in the Denver Broncos after what we saw out of them last year where many, 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 many people got burned by taking a Javante Williams or take, by taking a Jerry Judy, by taking a Cortland Sutton, by taking Russell Wilson higher than he should have gone? Those people are not going to be in on that. So maybe this is a good opportunity to wait on Denver if Cortland Sutton is there. If Cortland Sutton isn't there, the issue that I have is that Jerry Judy is going to be pushed to the moon in in my in, in ranks just in general. I know in the ECR right now he is the wide receiver twenty seven in my ranks in full. Let's just make sure. Oh, this is half. I apologize. Uh, in full, I have him. Yeah, he's, he's wide receiver twenty seven in uh, the ECR, and I have him as the wide receiver twenty nine in full. So. He'll get a push, and I don't know if I really love Jerry Judy as a top 24 receiver with or without Quentin Sutton, to be quite honest. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see on uh, on whether or not he's he's going to be able to to be that guy to shoulder the load of that offense by himself because he just hasn't been able to stay healthy, really, either. And, and that's part of the problem with Jerry Judy is when he's on the field, he has shown that he could be very talented, but he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. So if he could stay on the field, we're, we're talking about a real player, but... He's got to be able to do that. And he has not been able to show that durability uh, as of yet. Um, obviously, there's a lot of time for him because he's still a fairly young uh, player by NFL receiver standards. I believe Jerry Judy is 23. Yes, 23 years old. So he's got plenty of time. He's got plenty of time to show to show what he can do. But obviously, first year under a new coaching staff, especially a coaching staff that's led by Sean Payton, yeah, I kind I kind of think you would want to uh, want to show off uh, for your uh, for your new head coach and a head coach that arguably is one of the best head coaches that, that the NFL has ever seen in, in in Sean Payton. All right, so let's get into the mailbag. So let's start. We got eleven questions. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted your questions. Once again, if you would like to submit your questions, episode links. Uh, episode links. Email links are always in the description of every episode. So send them in when, uh, if you are thinking of anything, and we will always answer them at some point or another. So this is from, let's just, we're just going to go right down the list. And unfortunately, you know, no one's going to be calling out numbers. Um, I'm going to be just going right down the list here with 11, 11 questions, and we're going to do what we got to do. So this is from Alex, and Alex is from the wonderful, beautiful, amazing. Portland, Oregon. Love Portland. Beautiful, beautiful place. Alex, he wants us to rank these wide receivers in half by who is going to be most valuable. Christian Watson, Drake London, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Mike Williams. Um, so I have it. Christian Watson is one. I have Mike Williams at two. I have Drake London at three. I have Jerry Judy at four, and I have Calvin Ridley at five. If Cortland Sutton does get traded, then I could see Jerry Judy moving above 
Drake London in those ranks. And it also really depends on what the Falcons do at quarterback. I think that's a very big one as well that, say, say Cortland Sutton does get dealt, but then the the Falcons bring in a stable, stable enough starting option for them. Then I think I would have to weigh who the starter is in, in Atlanta before I make that call. But I just think based on based on how it is right now, I'm going to say Watson's one, Williams is two, London's three, Judy's four, and Ridley is five. In, in half. In half. I think that's the move. And and uh, everyone, I think, knows at this point how I feel with Calvin Ridley. I just don't, I don't buy into the whole Calvin Ridley thing, given he hasn't played football now in a year and a half. So a, that that whole situation right there just feels like a, a disaster waiting to happen. And to be quite honest, I don't know how invested I want to be in that. Uh, I don't care what the price is. I know in the ECR, ECR he's at wide receiver 32 with uh, someone ranking him as high as 19, which to me is, that's ludicrous. Um, I have him down as my wide receiver 37. And I think that's pretty generous, if I do say so myself. And I, you're going to hear this throughout the offseason that I am just out, 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 out on the whole Calvin Ridley thing. Number two, this is from Pat. Pat is from San Juan, Puerto Rico, where I would love to be right now. Uh, Pat asks, is zero RB the move again for 2023 or will stacking heavy on running backs be the play? I say this every year. Like, if you're if you're someone that's new to fantasy or you're not necessarily the, the, the biggest, I don't want to say try hard because that, that's not it. But you pay attention. You pay attention. You know what's going on. You're knowledgeable, more knowledgeable than others, let's say. You could go and you could do whatever you want. But if you're someone that is very safe, you don't want to take too many chances, you're an Adam, right? You're an Adam. We talk about this all the time on the show, that Adam is that guy that does not want to take too many chances. He's going to stick to the norm. He's going to go heavy running back and be damned. He'll find a receiver and he'll plug and play when he needs to. If you're one of those then, yes, drafting heavy on running back will, will be the way to go. And if, if we're looking just at my overall top 10 right now, you're going to have a ton of options to go ahead and really do whatever you want because it, it, it's pretty heavy on wide receiver, but it's also pretty heavy on running back. Just in my in my top 10, I have I have five and five. So it's very even. So I have, I have McCaffrey. Eckler, Barkley, Taylor, this is in full, by the way, Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, Kenneth Walker, Cooper Cup. That, that's my, and I, I, I classify Travis Kelsey as a receiver for this, but obviously tight end, but I, I would classify him just as a pass catcher for this. That is definitely different. I know last year we talked about how heavy round one was going to be with the running backs outside of Jefferson, Cup, and maybe you get instances where Jamar Chase sneaks in at the back end of round one. Same thing with Stephon Diggs, same thing with Devontae Adams. This year, you definitely are going to have options in, in that round one sort of range where you can go and kind of play around with your teams however however you want, given the diversity of, of players that are going to be there, especially in, in, in full. Now, in standard and in, in, in non obviously it's it's going to be completely different you're going to have more running backs that are going to be going i think in my non ranks i have eight of my 10 are running backs yes eight of my 10 are running backs and you're not having cooper cup and Devonte adams you know going until like round two so that's where i think you know definitely stacking heavy on the running backs is the play but as you go into half and you go into full I always like to say diversifying is good. But I struggle to I struggle to endorse going heavy on receiver again because I feel like people are going to realize that that's what last year was. Last year definitely was the and I put this in air quotes because we have had really strong receiver years in the past, but last year definitely seemed to be the year of the receiver. 
I struggled to be all in on that train again. Because I also feel like that eventually, if, if if you hit on a running back, you hit on a running back. Like Anybody who took Austin Eckler at 2 or 3 or 4, uh, odds are you won your league or you were in a semifinal or a championship in some way or another. So I struggle with saying that going 0RB is the 100% play. But I always say I always like to diversify and try it out. And am I am I going to be going sitting here and saying on March seventh, twenty twenty three, that I'm going to be going more zero RB than not? I don't know. I don't know yet. But is it definitely something that I'm going to explore? Because are the receivers in round one really appealing? Plus Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that's super appealing. If you could go Travis Kelsey and then get potentially Patrick Mahomes and have that Kelsey Mahomes stack, whew, that's that's nice. That's that's really nice if, if you're able if you're able to pull that off. Um, but having the stability at running back is also very important. Adam talks about this all the time, and 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 he is right that having a stable, solid running back core definitely helps. It'll be interesting to see when when you know free agency signings are made and we know where certain guys are going that's when we'll really start looking into mock drafts and and doing mock drafts and seeing where everyone is going to end up that's when i'll have my most up-to-date most solid ranks that we'll be able to just kind of go through talk about look at the biggest risers look at the biggest fallers and just kind of go from there um but to really put a bow on your question pat because i think we've just you know basically done loop-de-loops around the same sort of theme it's too early for me to tell whether or not zero RB or zero receiver is the play. I think you're going to have teams in every league that are going to be looking at either going in that direction. Like I, I genuinely think that this is going to be a year where you have, maybe you have seven teams in a league that go, if you're at a 10, if you're in a 10 team league, you have zero team, you have seven teams that go zero RB or zero receiver, excuse me. And then you have three teams that go zero RB. I think zero RB though is going to be much more popular, and I think in more leagues, you're definitely going to see more zero RB teams be utilized just because of how how last year went. Like that would not surprise me in the slightest. I think that is probably where the direction is going to go. That there'll be more people that'll be more comfortable with taking a like say you're at sixth overall, right? And the top five goes in any particular order: Taylor, Eckler, Barkley, uh, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey. How, however you want, right? I think there will be people that will be more comfortable than taking Justin Jefferson at five or six, and then on the loop around, settling on potentially a Devonte Adams, a C.D. Lamb. Uh, maybe get lucky with a Tyreek Hill. Like if, if you could start your team with Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill, congratulations, you're a playoff team right then and there. Like that That's an unbelievable start. You take that every single day and twice on Sunday. So I think there will be more teams that will be open to it, and you'll see more teams that attempt to do it. It's just a matter of whether or not those teams pay off. That is where I think we definitely see a bit of a trend, is that there will be more people on it than in years past. Number three, this is from Thomas. Thomas is from Austin, Texas. Hook'em horns. Uh, Thomas wants to know, uh, knowing Kyler Murray probably won't be ready to go for week one, where would you be most comfortable with taking Kyler Murray? And of course, Kyler Murray had that ACL injury at the end of the season last year. Uh, Right now, Kyler Murray is my QB 17 in the ECR. He is the QB 16. This is a tricky one because I don't ever like to go and take guys that are coming off of injury and you know we're going to miss time. But potentially having Kyler Murray could be a bit of a game changer. And I think new Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon is going to build an offense around Kyler Murray. I think you take everything you saw in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. I think that's what could happen here with Kyler Murray. 
Um, it's just a matter of what is that knee going to look like and what is his mobility going to look like as well upon his return. Now, is he is he going to be out two or three weeks? Is he going to be out four weeks? Or could he be an IR candidate where he's back by week six? That's the problem that I think a lot of fantasy managers are going to have when trying to assess, well, what is Kyler Murray for fantasy in 2023? You also have to look at the fact that the Cardinals may make some big-time subtractions in in, in the offseason. Namely, DeAndre Hopkins could be on the move, and I'm told that that is probably going to happen, more likely than not. And that means Hollywood Brown becomes the de facto number one receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. You still have Zach Ertz that'll be returning there. I'm sure the Cardinals will be interested in adding another receiver or two via free agency or even the draft uh, come the end of April. So where would I be most comfortable taking Kyler? I probably would look at him in round 12 or 13 if I know that I have a quarterback already locked up. Like if I have... If I'm taking a middle-of-the-pack quarterback and I'm looking at a, I'm starting Justin Herbert or a Trevor Lawrence or a Dak or e- even a Kirk Cousins, and I wanted to pair one of those guys with Kyler, I'd be comfortable with that. But if, if you're not taking quarterback until the end, I kind of find it hard to say that Kyler Murray is going to be someone that I would be... I would be drafting as potentially a QB1 or a QB2 when I just took my QB1 or I'm about to take my QB2 in round 12 or 13. I think that's just a little bit of poor asset management. So I think I'd be more okay with knowing, absolutely knowing, locked and loaded, that Kyle would be a QB2. And if he comes back, has a big return, you know, and, and people are like, oh, okay, Kyler Murray's back, great, you trade him. You trade him and you get something nice for him. I think that's better asset management than going round 12. Okay, I'm going to take, um, I don't know, uh, Gino, And then round 13 saying, oh, okay, I'm going to take Kyler. Like, I, I don't love that. Like, I, I think that's poor asset management. I think you could do much better than that. I think Justin Herbert in round 8, if you can get him there. And then Kyler in round 12 or 13, I think would be the move that I would personally go for. Number four, this is from Ryan. Ryan is from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Ryan says, out of Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Derek Henry, who has the biggest bust potential? Um, I don't think it's Saquon. I don't think. Obviously, with injuries, that's a bit of a concern, but I don't think it's Barkley. I think that... Brian Dable with the Giants. I'm pretty comfortable investing in in Saquon. It's either Josh Jacobs or Derrick Henry. It, if Henry gets dealt, it's probably Henry. But as things stand with Josh Jacobs getting the franchise tag, knowing he'll be back in Las Vegas, don't know how good that team is going to be, if they're going to be very good at all. I'll probably say Jacobs. I'll probably, I'll probably lean with Josh Jacobs. And he's my, right now, he's my... RB9. So, yeah, I'll I'll say Jacobs. I'll say Jacobs. Uh, number five. This is from Lucas. Lucas is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because he's asking, is the Pittsburgh offense a good buy low for fantasy this year? It can be. It can be. It, it, it just depends on where, on where you're where you're looking for that buy low opportunity. Like I have Najee Harris as my RB14. He's still gonna be going in. in in round three, like, I don't know if that's necessarily your, quote, buy low. It'll be interesting to see what the Steelers do to improve that offense to help Kenny Pickett have a nice, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A nice step up in production in, in, in year two. Deontay Johnson could be a little bit interesting. I know he's uh, taken a bit of a, bit of a, He's cratered a little bit, I guess is the word with his value. Uh, ECR, he's at 31. I have him as my wide receiver 30. So I'm a I'm one spot higher. But I think if you could get him in round 6, round 7, Deontay Johnson in full point PPR, 
I really don't think that's that bad. Like, because if we look at the the numbers for Deontay Johnson from a year ago, he still caught 86 passes. And if we look at the if we look at what Deontay Johnson has done throughout his career, his rookie season he had 59 catches on 92 targets. Um, 2020 he had 88 catches on 144 targets, seven touchdowns. 2021 was his monster breakout year. 107 catches, uh, over 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. And then, of course, last year, the 86 catches on 147 targets with no touchdowns. The There's going to be positive regression on that touchdown number. I think it's pretty comfortable to say Deontay Johnson will score probably in the range of the, uh, that he's been a five to eight touchdown guy throughout his career. I think five or six touchdowns, I think, is, is a pretty solid number. For, for Deontay Johnson, I trust the Steelers are going to figure that out. I trust they're going to be able to get him uh, more involved. And if you're especially if you're in full-point PPR and, and you're getting a guy that you know maybe he only scores three, four touchdowns on the super low end, like I don't think there's a world where Deontay Johnson goes without scoring a touchdown again. But if you could say that he's a 85-catch guy again, three, four touchdowns, and in full-point PPR, he's giving you... 850, 900 yards in round seven. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. And and you take that. It's pretty solid wide receiver three numbers. Just the only worry that I have is that Deontay Johnson is just going to be a very boring, very steady sort of week to week play. Not really shatter the glass ceiling. Be a 15, 20 point guy. And if, if it, and that may even be on the high end. Like maybe he's more of a 12 to 15 point guy in full point PPR. And if, if that's what he is, then that's fine. Especially in, in round seven. I, I think that's okay. Um, but then George Pickens, I think, is the one that might be more interesting. Uh, he still is a top 36 receiver for me. I have him as my wide receiver 34. That might be the more interesting one, given, of course, going into his second year, had a really uh, solid, if not inconsistent, uh, rookie season. Kenny Pickett obviously likes George Pickens a, a whole heck of a lot, so... He could be interesting. I, I kind of feel like the Steelers, there is something here with Lucas's question that there could be, in the pass-catching department at least, there could be some buy potential. I don't know if it's low, though. I don't know if it's super low. Like, I guess it just depends on what your definition of low is, Lucas. I, I think that's kind of the problem. Um, then Pat, Pat Fryermuth, he'll be a steady... He probably... He probably is the best of the rest when it comes to the tight end position, like outside of your top six of like Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, Hawkinson, Kittle, Goddard. He probably is like that next best guy with like Njoku, Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, if Dalton Schultz go back to Dallas, that sort of group. I think he probably is the best out of those guys. So he's probably like around, around eight guy round eight maybe maybe round nine where you're taking pat firemouth um obviously we'll have more adp data when it when it comes out but it could this could be an interesting spot but definite definite burn potential i will say that with with pittsburgh is that there's definite potential for for you to get burned especially with 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 Najee. Six, this is from Nate. Nate is from Ankara, Turkey. Uh, Nate asks, with the progress of the Jaguars, could their prices get too high where you won't draft them? Yes, yes, they're, they're definitely, definitely yes. Uh, I think we're kind of, we're kind of seeing that already with Travis Etienne being a top 12, if not top 15 overall selection. I know in the ECR, he is ranked as the 12th overall player. I have him as my overall player 18. Uh, even then, that's a little rich for me. But then you start looking at the rest of the board and, and you know, where is Christian Kirk going? Um, where is Calvin Ridley going? Christian Kirk basically is uh, 72nd overall in the ECR. I have him as the 66th overall player. And then Calvin Ridley, if I can find him in the ECR... He's going 103rd, where I have him at 112. It's not terrible with with the with the pass catchers. It's the, it's Travis Etienne that's that's a little bit worrying. And then I just want to see where uh, Trevor Lawrence is. He's 77th 
okay, that's not terrible right now. Uh, I have him at 80, so it's not too bad. Um, we're, we're pretty much aligned on the, on the Trevor Lawrence front. The ETN one is a little is definitely a little concerning. Uh, I don't love that. You know, we're talking about him being a top seven or eight running back uh, according to the ECR and being a first round pick in 12 team leagues. I don't love that at all. So I, I'm going to be out on ETN for sure. And I know that people are excited about the Jaguars. And and I mean, hey, there's there's no reason not to be right. I mean, the Jaguars surpassed all expectations. They were very, very, very steady with Doug Peterson as their coach. Trevor Lawrence made great improvement in year two. The problem is that you want to, you really wanted to get them on the low. And now we're seeing, especially with ETN, that it, we're kind of getting to his high. And I'm not going to be in on that. I will be in on Christian Kirk, though. I will be in on that. I think at, at, at what was it, 72nd uh, overall with the ECR, I think that's worth it. I think that's, that's definitely worth a splash. If you want something, uh, from this offense, I think that's definitely it. And I'm just want to see where Evan Ingram is. Um, if I can find him very quickly, he is 89th. Okay. All right. I'm higher on him. I have him as my 84th overall player. So I, I am higher on him than the consensus is, which, which, which is fine. I mean, he's basically, he's basically around eight round nine guy, which is where he should be going. Uh, but yeah, the one guy I would take a stab on though is still, is still Christian Kirk. That's that's still the guy that I think I would I would look at carefully. Seven. This is from Eric, and this is the Saints' question: Do the Saints get a boost now? Derek Carr is their quarterback. Does Michael Thomas become appealing? Um, uh, Chris Olave does. Yeah, Chris Olave definitely does. Um, obviously the whole situation with Alvin Kamara and his ongoing investigation into the assault that. Um, he is alleged to have partaken in prior to the Pro Bowl uh, in, in uh, last year. So that legal situation, of course, has to play out, and we don't know what's going to come as a result of that. Probably a suspension, and then how long is that suspension? But Chris Olave definitely gets a boost, and if Michael Thomas is there and playing, Michael Thomas gets a boost as well. But I've heard that Michael Thomas could be a cap casualty for the Saints because because with with the Saints signing Derek Carr they are now in cap hell they're over the cap ceiling so they have to subtract and where the subtraction is going to come from I'm not quite sure but all signs are pointing towards that there will be a ton of restructures that happen and there's also going to be the chance that Michael Thomas is designated as a post-June 1st cut so that way they save more money and Michael Thomas will be on a different team. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen concretely, but that is something that has been uh, much discussed by those around the New Orleans Saints and within the Saints front office. I do know that. Eight, this is from Travis. Travis is from, oh, and Eric is from New Orleans, Louisiana, by the way. Uh, Travis, Travis is from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, Travis asks, why the confidence in Tyler Algier? I get he was great towards the end of the season, but he screams Damian Pierce to me. Good player on a bad team. It's a fair comp. It's a fair comp. I'm not going to completely hate on it. Um, I just think with Tyler Algier, he just looked the part towards the end of the season. I think once he got his, his footing underneath him and Arthur Smith gave him the run, he he was the was the guy. And we've seen Arthur Smith want to really feature the running game in his game plan before, namely when he was offensive coordinator for the Titans. And who was his running back? Derrick Henry. Now I'm not saying that Tyler Algier is going to be Derrick Henry 2.0. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that Arthur Smith has a history of wanting to really establish things on the offensive side of the ball by establishing the run. And if that's what he's going to do then Tyler Algier has a real opportunity to be a de facto starting option and a very good one for for fantasy. I mean, if we look at, if we could find the number of touches that Cordero Patterson got, not last year, but in 2021. So he, he had 153 carries 
with 52 catches. And I don't think Tyler Algier will be a 52-catch guy. But that's it's about 200 touches. 205, to be exact. If we're saying that there is the potential for Tyler Algier, not in a committee with Cordero Patterson, to be a 200-touch guy, I mean, just do the math. 200 touches, that, that's you're guaranteed right there. 200 touches and 6-7 touchdowns, you're guaranteed to be a top 24-ish running back. And even, even while sharing with Cordero Patterson, he still logged 226 touches and three touchdowns. Get the... Get the touchdowns up to six or seven, like I said, and, and you're still able to hover around that 220, 230 touch mark and potentially have even more than that in in 2023. We're talking about a potential star at, at, at the position for fantasy, and I get, I get the whole good player, bad team thing. We've had this conversation a thousand times at Nauseam on, on this show, but it's hard to ignore talent when you, when, when you see it especially at a position that, really, you need options at. So if you could potentially get Tyler Algier at a price, you know, if you can get him in round five, I think that's worth it. I think it is absolutely 100% worth the purchase price, shall I say, trying to go and get him in round five. Anything later than that is just gravy. I, I honestly, I, I I love 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 the opportunity to go and get Tyler Algier uh, this year, but it also comes at well, what is his price going to be as we get closer to drafts? If we start talking about Algier being comfortably in round five, with the potential to go up to round four, I won't love it as much. But if he can stay. If he could stay at the high end, middle of round five, back end of round five, then I'll be okay with that. And I would have him in a lot of spots. Number nine, this is from Matt. Matt is from San Diego, California. Matt asks, if Dalton Schultz leaves Dallas, does that crater his fantasy value? It doesn't crater it, but it wouldn't help it. It definitely wouldn't help it. because I, I think the best spot with for Dalton Schultz is being with Dak Prescott. I mean, Dak Prescott loves the tight end position. He peppers the tight ends when he needs to. And Dalton Schultz has been a, a very trusted option for Dak Prescott in the Dallas passing game. So it, it wouldn't crater his value. It depends on where he goes, obviously, but it, it definitely wouldn't help it. Uh, 10. This is from Brian. Brian is from London, England, specifically North London, home of the uh, Arsenal Football Club, who are currently top of the Premier League. To take a sip of water because I am thirsty. I've been talking for too long. Uh, number 10, Brian, uh, North London. He's at the Emirates right now. Uh, Brian asks, out of the top five wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, not the order I have been, but that's neither here nor there, which one would you avoid in half PPR? Avoid. Ooh. Ooh. Um, well, it's not Jefferson. It's not Jefferson. It's not Chase. And it's not Tyreek Hill. So it's either Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup. It's probably... I mean, how could how could you say that you're avoiding one of these guys? Like, that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> I, I don't know. Who am I avoiding? Probably... I'm not avoiding any of them. But... Gun to my head, I have to make a decision. Devontae Adams. And I love him. So, it, it's, it's, that's, that's a, that's a ridiculous question. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a, that's a ridiculous question. I, I'm going to want to target all of them, but like if I had to, if I had to pick one, I would say Devontae Adam just because of the unknown with the quarterback uh, position. And, I, and yeah, you have Tyreek Hill who has concerns with him and, and, and Tua and his long-term health, but even without Tua. Terry Kill was still really, really good. Just Jefferson was really, really good. He'll have Kirk Cousins back. Jamar Chase is Joe Burrow. And, and Cooper Cup should have Matthew Stafford. So, and if Alan, hell, if Allen Robinson gets traded, that's more potential targets for Cooper Cup. So, 
I'll, I'll, I'll say Adams. I'll say Adams, but I love all five. I love all five, and I'm not saying that you should not draft either of these guys because I think they're all going to be very, very solid for fantasy, barring injury. And then finally, number 11, this is from our our king, my king, King Charles. Great guy. Love him. Has been a proud supporter of this podcast. Thank you so much, Charles, for all that you do. Charles right now, he is vacationing, actually. He is going to see the glaciers. He is actually in Reykjavik, Iceland. He's on a cruise right now. He just departed this morning, he told me. Charles asks, while he's on his cruise in the Arctic Circle, after leaving Reykjavik, Iceland, aboard the Royal Yacht, Charles asks, which rookie quarterback are you most interested in for fantasy next year? Um... I think the one that's getting the most fantasy-friendly right off the rip is probably going to be Anthony Richardson out of Florida just because of his ability to run and he could throw a ball out of the stadium. He's not my favorite of the of the rookies, but if I had to say maybe who's the one that would be the most friendly for fantasy is Anthony Richardson. Um, but next year, I don't know if he starts right away. It's the only problem. It just depends on where he goes. Uh, I would probably say C.J. Stroud. If he goes to Indianapolis, I think whomever goes to Indy, that is a spot where you could see immediate production given strong offensive line, strong running game, strong options already there in the downfield passing game. All you really need to do is just get a quarterback in there that can be consistent enough. I think whoever that quarterback is in Indy would be the guy. And and right now in, in my uh, most recent mock, I have CJ Stroud going there. So my guess would be be Stroud would be that guy that would immediately not only play right away but would be in for immediate production um but if you could tell me that Anthony Richardson is going to start somewhere I would say Anthony Richardson would be would be the guy just because of that dual threat ability that he uh, that he has that's gonna be it for the mailbag thank you so much to everybody for for listening again if you have any questions that you want to send into the next mailbag uh, we'll be doing that probably sometime before Easter. I know Easter Sunday is April 9th. So we'll probably do, be doing a mailbag that week before Easter or, or maybe two weeks before Easter, maybe towards the end of the month of March for, for April. So if you have any questions you want to send into the mailbag, uh, email links in the episode descriptions. Send them in whenever you have anything on your mind and you want to just put them in. We always see them. So send it, send it in whenever you have a question and we will be answering it for you when we get to uh, the next mailbag. So I am Bird. Thank you so much for listening to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Adam and I will be back on Thursday. Jake and I will hopefully be back uh, later this week, if not early next week, when we do our free agent uh, preview show. And for that, I'll say that's it. We're done. I'm Bird. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye.